Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brendan Escott with you this afternoon. Gotta remind you that guests on Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it is the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers Now sent you. Pleased to be joined in studio by, uh, you've been busy, Mark Spector. And he's brought to you every Tuesday by the horses, Horse Racing Alberta. Remind you, the province of Alberta was built on the back of a horse. So you saw playoff action back in Winnipeg in the first round of the NHL playoffs. Yes, I did. And then you got to go down to Bakersfield and catch some of the action. Did you only catch one game down there? No, no, I caught three. There you go. Caught three. Okay. Yeah, both, uh, I, I saw three and four in San Diego. And then, you know, I didn't, to be honest, it was a game the next day and it's quite a long, I mean, it's a three or four hour drive. But uh, I thought, you know what, I want to go up to Bakersfield. I'd never been. I'd never seen the rink. I'd never sort of experienced a home game. And that was the double overtime game when uh, Curry, uh, excuse me, Benson set up Josh Curry to win it. And down they went to San Diego again last night. So I was glad I went. Overall thoughts on, uh, is there much of a hockey community in California when you're around the rinks? How are the fans? Are there fans? What is it yeah, like? Yeah, there was for sure. It, you know, it's minor league sports. So in that respect... The crowd on a Tuesday is a lot different than a crowd on a Friday or Saturday. That's a place to start. The crowd reminds you a little bit of an Oil Kings crowd because there's more kids and stuff because it's a more affordable ticket. Mm -hmm. Now, Bakersfield, it's the big show in town. You know, San Diego, there's obviously the Padres. They used to have football. San Diego is so close to L.A. that, you know, a lot of people just wheel up there and watch their sports. So uh, both of those organizations, it reminds me of, I'd covered the Trappers in Edmonton for a long time, and they were quite similar. They weren't the Oilers. You know, they had a cheaper price point. They sold groups, right? They sold big promotions, you know, come on down, it's baseball bat night. These guys are doing the same thing. It's a lot of fun. It's a very few people working their tails off to try to turn a profit for the Bakersfield Condors, I can tell you that. Uh, and it's grassroots hockey and, and very good hockey. Um, so you had a chance to see, obviously, everybody down there live in the flesh. Yeah. Um, and in great games as well. You're talking like three games going to overtime. One of the longest games they've had in history of the AHL. Yeah, thankfully, I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> up late. We were up late here trying to listen to it. So, um, <laughs> Defensive depth. I really, I think that's kind of been a focal point, especially with Evan Bouchard and his performance in the playoffs. When you're seeing it live, it looks like they're set up quite nicely for the future, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Especially with, uh, now I don't know Joel Pearson at all, but he's coming over on a one-way deal, I might add. Uh, I think at a million bucks. And of course, Dmitry Samarukov, who I got a chance to see at the World Junior, will add to the mix next year. So they've got a, they've got a, a ton of defensive depth, enough that you could for sure trade somebody you know, if you could, if you needed a deal sweetener here uh, in the next couple months, I would suspect it would come from somewhere inside that crop. Uh, but more pointedly, I would so you know the thing that I think to talk about is who makes the team next year, and 
you know, how many might make the team next year in Edmonton, right? Well, we'll have to see. Uh, that was That's basically all that I've seen out of Ken Holland or heard out of Ken Holland in terms of a specific thing that he wants to do is maybe moving some money off of that back end. And um, we can retweet what Bob sent out earlier this morning, but he projected uh, Caleb Jones and Joel Person as the two that are going to make the jump next year. Okay. Um, you know, we know what Jones can do at this level, at least in limited action. Do you think that's a realistic possibility for him? Oh, yeah, I absolutely do. To me, he's the furthest ahead guy uh, player in Bakersfield. Uh, he transports the puck exceptionally well. And, and for me, you know, I was a, never a very good player, but I grew up as a defenseman. And one of the things a coach a million years ago taught me, and to this day I still think it's true, when Caleb Jobs comes off from behind his net, with a puck, and he looks up ice, you got two choices. He's a good passer, watched him hit a lot of guys on the tape, which is great. But when nobody's open, and you're the defenseman, you have that puck, if all your forwards are covered, there's probably a good chance that you can skate it, right? Usually plan B is if everybody's covering somebody, there's some room for you to skate. You start skating it, guys come off their checks, now there's someone open to pass to. And what I like about Caleb Jones is he looks up for the pass, and if he doesn't see it, he starts hustling, and he can skate that puck to the center ice line and dump it in or even go further with it. So I like a guy that has a plan A and a plan B. There's some guys that don't skate it well. There's some guys that don't pass it well. Uh, I think he's pretty well-rounded in that respect. If we don't bring up Ethan Bear, as we're joined here by uh, Mark Spector in studio, if we don't bring up Ethan Bear, we're going to get swamped on the text line, as we always do. Was he hurt while you were there? Did you actually get to see him in playoff action? Yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him play only one game, and he was he was not playing in the other two. Uh, he was nursing something. But, you know, the, I had a long talk with Ethan Bear, actually, and quite liked what I heard. Um, here's a guy that's grown up. You know, there's some skills there, but by all accounts, he showed up at camp this year not in as good a shape as he needed to be and struggled through the first half of his season. Uh, some, you know, in some part due to that. And I spoke at length one-on-one with Ethan Bear, and he said, okay. He says, I, I didn't know what it took. I'm growing up here. I'm not going home to hang out with my buddies this summer. I'm training in Edmonton with Tyler Benson and um, <clears throat> Dave Pelliche, you know, and the Oilers people. Uh, I'm, he says, I'm ready to take the step and do the things it takes. So I think, does he make the team next year? I don't know, Brendan. But if we can keep, you know, if we take him at his word, we're going to have a look at a guy that's going to show up in September the way you're supposed to show up if you think you can make an NHL team. All this is to say that there might there might be a, a training camp battle. And there, mm-hmm. in all likelihood, there's going to be. Should and be. That, uh, to me, that's a really good thing to have because these kids are going to start pushing each other to find those roles. And I think that's only going to make them better. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's about your cap. It's about how you play. It's about giving opportunity. You know, there's a big, intricate web here to me, Brendan. you got a couple guys. Uh, Sekra makes $5.5 million. Chris Russell makes $4 million. Um if I knew now that I could trade or you know move one of those guys out and for sure could replace them, let's say we bring up Caleb Jones just for fun. But if I knew now that I had a second guy, I'd, tr- I'd make one of those trades right away and move that salary out, turn around and spend that salary on forwards because they do not have a bunch of forwards down there, in my opinion, that are going to come up and help next year. Uh, so that's the that's what Ken Holland's getting paid for. He's got to figure out, you know, you can't wait, right? You can't wait till Joel Pearson comes in here and knocks your doors off in September to trade Chris Russell. 
you can't wait. You got to know now. And it's a very difficult decision. Are we looking in, because this has been more of a conversation, are we looking at that as a more realistic option for Ken Holland than to move the Lucic contract? Is that how he might try and mitigate some of the cap crunch here, is taking it off the back end rather than trying to move the one really ugly one? Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think that you're ever going to get a lot of cap relief in moving Lucic. I just don't think you're, unless you throw in, you know, how, how do you get cap relief? Like, A, you can't buy Lucic out because there's no cap relief for a long time. Right. B, you trade Lucic uh, and you get back someone just as expensive, frankly, that's probably has disappointed in the town they're in, so that doesn't really help. And C, you want cap relief? Yeah, attach a first-round pick to Milan Lucic. You know, but I don't think anyone would be happy if they did that, including Ken Holland. He said specifically, I'm not giving up a bunch of stuff in the future, right, to make the playoffs next year. So I'm not sure that Lucic's contract will ever be the solution in the short term. I think it will be, uh, you know, let's say if you bought out Sekra, just throwing it out there, and I love the way he played yesterday. Everyone says he played great, so maybe you keep him because he can skate. But if you do buy him out, you pick up about $3 million in cap space, Brandon. So that's a realistic, you know, a discussion point. We can talk about that. Maybe we don't do it. Maybe it's a bad idea. But at least you can say if you did do it, there's a, a definitive savings in cap. You take that $3 million, you turn it into a winger, and Bob's your uncle, right? We saw how much of a difference he made to the back end, and, and namely with uh, with Matt Benning. And you could just see him calm down with the return of Sekera. And so I think now part of the decision might be weighing what his experience and composure brings to a young player right. if you're trying to bring up somebody to have them parked in the NHL for a while. So that's it. You have to bring up... If you bring up Ethan Bear, he can't play with Caleb Jones. You want him to play. And that's where a guy like Chris Russell is such a fantastic option to play with a young player. You know, he's sort of the safety zone. Um, But you can't keep everyone either. You know, you can't keep everyone. If you think you're going to bring up two guys from your farm next year or from the system, then probably one of the guys you have here today is going to have to go. And you don't want a situation either in my opinion, where you've got one of the young players bouncing in and out of the lineup, right? You, you, There's oh. other players in the league that it can serve as that 7th D role and yeah. come in and out when need be, yeah. right? You're 7, you're right. And I asked Ken Holland this while we were in Bakersfield. You're, he said, your 7th D can't be one of these young guys. Now, you can take, you know, Caleb Jones can play 3-4 games and, and sit one out, sure. But if, if the trend is that he's always in the bench, well, then get him back to the farm. Mark Spector from Sportsnet here. Brendan Escott in today on Oilers Now. Uh, let's talk goaltending because it was a strong point for the Condors leading up to the playoff run and through that remarkable streak. Mm-hmm. And Shane Starrett really had the, the reins. And throughout the playoffs, that started to waver a bit. And I, I'm looking at the box scores after each game, and it was somewhat of a carousel. I'm just curious what your overall thoughts and what you were watching there with with uh, Stuart Skinner, Dylan Wells, and Shane Starrett. Yeah, they, they had a bit of a carousel. I saw Starrett get pulled twice. Uh, and then I the third game I saw, Skinner let in one goal in you know just over four periods of hockey. So it was double overtime that second game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, the, the third game. Anyway, they've got some talent down there. Like, this is a farm team, right? Do they have a guy that wins every single night? Well, guess what? No one does because that guy gets promoted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, but they do. In, I mean, Starrett had a fabulous regular season and a good first round, and he faltered a bit in the second round. There's no doubt. Uh, Skinner stepped in and was excellent. He's a big goalie. Uh, that has the tools that, 
you know, they both of them, neither of them are coming up next year. They need to play. And uh, it would sure be fun if the Oilers had a goalie in their system that you thought was ready to come up and be a backup at some point. But I suspect the way it impinges on the signing, uh, Brendan, is, you know, you don't, you would sign a, the guy they signed to play with Costco the next year is preferably on a one-year deal, maybe a two. But you're not signing a long-term goalie because you do have a couple guys down there that should be your backup at some point soon. At some point soon, though, because we have had people text in quite frequently and say, well, why don't we just bring up Starrett next year? And I, the way that Ken Holland has been talking about player development, I really don't see that being the case. Yeah, no, not ready. And the other thing is we're not, you know, Koskinen is, you know, you're looking at a 45, uh, 37 that add up to 82 45 37 <laughs> split here in your goalies next year you're not looking at a 65 17 deal so right. you can't just bring up a kid who hasn't played they need a you know they need next year's version of a curtis mcelaney a guy that got waived by toronto that carolina picked up that could play and as we watch him now in the playoffs and in fact he may uh be back in here or what i don't know what we're talking about tonight but Rod Brindamore wasn't telling, but no, the point is the he's a viable playoff option. This guy was a real good pickup for Carolina off the waiver wire. We'll wrap up uh, the Bakersfield talk with this. Is there anybody that kind of jumped out that doesn't necessarily steal the headlines? Uh, there's there's not the hot prospect, but still performed quite well down there? Yeah, a couple guys. I really liked Ryan McLeod. Really liked him. And he was playing his first three, um, three or four professional games when I watched him at the end of a long OHL season so it's not the best viewing time for him he's in a playoff series against men and he was very his his tools he's big and he really can skate and uh so that was great and and the other subtlety that uh, the guy you need to watch is really valuable to go down there I thought Brent I really like being there uh the guy that you that grows on you is Lagason. The guy that you have, you can't go in and watch him. I only saw him three games. I feel like you need to watch him even more than that. But the viewing that I had, uh, he just, you know, it, it's sort of sample size. And every period passes, you go, geez, you know what? He just made nothing but solid plays that period. And, gee, you know what? He didn't get beat again that period. And before you know it, you leave the rink and you go, well, you know, as a defenseman, I only saw positive things and I did not see you know, guys wheeling past William Lagos, and there's a guy that, you know, I'll tell you what, guys like him play, and uh, he's on a good path. Born in 1996, William Lagason. So just adding to. 1996. How old is he? So is it his birthday yet? It makes him turning 23 this year. Okay, that's perfect. That's yeah. it's time now to, you know, listen. Um, Bouchard's 20. You know, I'm not even sure if Sam Rukov's turned 20 yet, but he may have, whatever. He's 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I want 23-year-olds coming in here from the farm, not 20 and 21-year-olds, right? Caleb Jones has two years down there now. Lagson's got, I think, two years down there now. Uh, Bears had a couple and might need a little more, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Benson, we all talk about him. He's only had one year there. Like, I think he could stand a little more. They're in good shape moving forward. 1248 here in Edmonton. More with Mark Spector coming up on the other side of a timeout. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 1251 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott here today. Mark Spector as well, brought to you by the horses. Horse Racing Alberta. 
Brand new Century Mile racetrack and casino open up now in Nisku. Speck, uh, we were just talking off air a little bit about Tyler Benson. Um, obviously a remarkable rookie season for him. It's nice to see him finally healthy. And uh, you say that he's a pretty good guy off the ice as well? Yeah, for sure. He's... he's um, you know, the thing about, we all know about all the injuries he had, and he missed at least two summers of training and a two had two seasons severely impinged upon by injury. Uh, so the thing for me is, like, here's a guy, 66 points in 68 games in his first pro season. You know, as a 20-year-old, that's just turned 21. So that's really impressive to walk in the AHL, be a point-of-game player, man. That That's a man's league. It's a... It's way harder than junior. A lot of people, just so, just for some perspective, a lot of people say that of all the jumps that you make, you know, over the, every time you grow up in your career, you go here, you go here, you go here. The hardest jump, the toughest, biggest step is junior to AHL. You know, we don't send kids like in baseball. You go to rookie league and you play with all your peers, and then you go single A and double A and triple. You know, there's a lot of steps <laughs> in hockey. You go from playing with boys, boom, to playing with some guys who are 30 years old. You know, when you're 20, so it's a huge step. So for him to have a point of game almost in that league is there's something there for sure. Like you don't do that by mistake. Do you think that because he was taken what the one or two picks ahead of Alex DeBrincat and DeBrincat's now? pretty talented score at the NHL level. Do you mm-hmm. think that's some of the reason that people might have been down on Benson and where he was selected by the Oilers? Hey, listen, everyone's got hindsight. If you went and did that draft again, DeBrinket would go top 10. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. There's 30 teams that underestimated DeBrinket, including the Chicago Blackhawks, who who was their first-round pick that year. I don't, I'm throwing it at you. I don't know. But I'll bet he's not as good a player as DeBrinket. <laughs> You know, yeah. so it's like they used to say about, um, you know, Zetterberg and Datsuk. Holland used to say when he was a GM of Detroit, hey, if I'd have known they were that good, I'd have picked him in the first round, not the <laughs> sixth and seventh. So, uh, listen, everybody was wrong in Debrinket. Let's just state that. Uh, but I don't see how that has any effect. You have Benson. He's all his property. Who cares who was drafted around him? Uh, I think there's a, probably an NHL player there, and that's, I think, what you should probably focus on. Let's talk briefly here as we're closing in on the, uh, the top of the hour. Uh, just some names that are, are possibly heading out. We touched on a couple. It doesn't sound like anybody really believes that Lucic is going to go anywhere. Sakura is an option with the buyout. That's fair to say. Uh, Chris Russell potentially on the move. And then J.J. Kara is a, and a, a restricted free agent, excuse me. So which of those can you see as the most likely not being an orange and blue next year? It's a good question. Uh, I know that there was a, a deal at one point on the table uh, with Kara to Vancouver. Uh, that for some reason didn't happen. I really don't know the, the, how that ended in terms of not getting a deal done. Um, now you have a new GM. You know, now you have a new GM and everything changes, right? Everyone gets a, a new sort of, um, how would I say, everyone gets a new fresh opinion. You know, and I would think Kara is one of those guys. He's a depth player. Uh, the new GM's going to look at the body of work. Here's a big guy. He can skate. He can play some. The issue with J.J. Kara, let's let's put it right in the table. The issue with J.J. Kara is consistency. He's always got a chance. He gives you three great games, and then he goes away. You know, you start to lean on him. You start to count on him, and he's not there anymore. 
So solve that and play for my team for the next 10 years. But under the old regime, I can say to you, they're tired of it and they were ready to move them on. It's not the old regime anymore, so he probably gets a fresh set of legs. So some names available, and I tried to just pick names that are going to be more realistic for the Oilers' price point. So we're not talking Matt Duchesne. We're not talking no, no, no. You know, anything like that. But we might be talking about a guy like Derek Brassard, for example. Even that might be a bit of a reach, but uh, Derek Brassard is a third-line center. I don't mind that fit, do yeah. you? Yeah, no, that's fine, for sure. Uh, wing depth in the form of Jonas Donskoy out of San Jose. Yeah, wing winger depth is, you know... On on this Edmonton team, you may find a guy who was who was pushed down to the third line in San Jose, who might be playing on your second line here, because the winger you know the winger depth is shallow here. Brett Connolly out of Washington, yeah, Cup champion, probably affordable. Yes, and and uh, a player that that is well respected around the league. Like when Chason came in here, he brought you some things that you know. How would I say the Oilers have chased this player forever? Matt Hendricks, right? Um, oh my goodness, who do they call the triangle? Mark Latestu? No, 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 no. But he's of. a good guy. Uh, Eric Belanger. Oh. The, remember the Belanger triangle they talked about? <laughs> anyway, they've chased character players who have won elsewhere for years. Uh, Chase on's a perfect example. He turned into a really good player. And we should talk about whether they're going to sign him again. That's an excellent question because there's a few teams sniffing around him. But uh, they've wanted those character guys. Connolly fits that bill for sure. Chason's the next name, so we can wrap with this in about 30 seconds. Does he stay here in Edmonton? Well, I think if you find a player like Chason who wants to be here, that's a big thing still in Edmonton. Uh, and he's been part of this, of a you know a positive part of the culture. Yes, I want him back. No, I'm not paying him like a guy who's going to score me 30 goals. <laughs> I'm not paying him as a second-line player. So if he can find someone to pay him like a second-line player, he should take that deal. Uh, if I'm bringing him back to Edmonton, I'm Ken Holland. He, what he is is a third- or fourth-line winger who you can move up when you need to move up. Brendan Escott, Mark Spector here on Oilers Now. We're going to stop for a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We'll pick up the conversation, maybe talk more about what uh, Ken Holland has done or is yet to do when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.